0: Sounds good.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Little Impolite podcast. I'm Devo. I'm without my co host again today. She is traveling. Um, she had a, a tragedy in her family. So um, I don't want to keep saying she's traveling. She's not avoiding the show. She's just out and about dealing with family issues right now. Um, she should be rejoining me shortly and excited to have her back. Today's guest is Carrie Leaf. And I'm, I've met Carrie Leaf about a year ago uh, through the web channels. Um, we were put in touch by a couple of different podcast agencies, and I was fascinated by some of the work she's doing because this means nothing, but I have a degree in psychology. I've always been fascinated by the mind, um, and I do a, a copious amount of research and reading on it still to this day. And I, what I loved about Carrie is she specializes in behavioral changes and, and identifying and releasing negative energy and negative thought processes that we have accumulated in the context of our lives or through trauma or things of things associated around that. And but what I think really attracted me the most to and why I wanted to interview or have a conversation with her is she utilizes a lot of the modern traditional psychology modalities, but it's with her mixture of holistic techniques and stuff that she's developed on her own. So I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation um, with her specifically around releasing those negative patterns. I myself have been in the last couple of months have gone through and Carrie, welcome to the show. Um, I've gone through some Reiki and some card readings and just sort of like trying to figure out a few things. I feel like my life uh, in of itself is at an intersection right now, a crossroads, if you will. And so I'm sort of just kind of like turning over every leaf I possibly can. Maybe I'm doing too many leaf turning. Is there such a thing as doing too many leaf turning? Like, is there such a thing as like, all right, dude, enough's enough. Like just get on the fucking car and start driving. Like, I don't know. Is there, how do you answer that?
0: I don't feel like it. I feel like it's a journey and we need a lot of tools for all the different things we go through in life, but maybe sometimes we might want to pace it out. I think that's just up to you, you know, where what you're able to handle at the time.
1: So it seems like I joked the other day in a podcast with a guest, it seems like in today's day and age, because it seems, and maybe it's not for everybody, but as people become more aware of what's actually happening on the planet and you know, depending on who you talk to, we're entering into a golden age of awareness and all those sorts of things. And whether you believe in woo-woo stuff or not, people are visibly becoming more aware of, of a lot of different aspects of how life works and the functions and their purpose on the planet and all those things. But it seems like because of that, Life is literally one hack after the next. Like every single day, I feel like fuck. I have to change my diet a little bit. I have to change the way I exercise a little bit. I have to change. Like it's like one life hack after the other. And and I and I sometimes sit back and I think, dude, like, is there ever a moment where I can just stop and just like cruise through things?
0: maybe for a little bit, but I I kind of joke about the same thing, you know, because I I really center around self-care. Well, that's big and broad, right? And I'll I'll joke that like self-care is a full-time job in itself. I don't know how I have a job and take care of myself, but that is why this is a journey and finding all those little tips and those tricks and the things that work for you. Because if we're going to do good, thorough self-care, we have to know what works for us in two minutes, in five minutes. If I have an hour, fantastic but on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. And then if I'm doing something that all the, the gurus say and all these other people and all the social media outlets are doing, and I'm trying to do all those things, they might do absolutely nothing for me. So this is certainly not a one size fits all. It's look at all the tools and then build your
1: own toolbox. That's a really good point because I think a lot of people buy into whether it's the latest diet fad or the latest workout fitness fad, and and they don't get the results they're looking for and i think a lot of people become dejected really and disappointed and then like well i I just wasted several grand on that for for no reason and 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 from from the outset of that it looks like hey it looks really cool but what you just said really resonates with me because there is no one size shoe fits all like let's just take our diets for example you and i i don't know how tall or how big or how active you are but i'm six foot two i play sports I'm like 190 pounds, my diet and what I have to consume is not only markedly different than, than yours, just because I'm a male versus a female, but my behavior patterns, my activity patterns, my, I have all the things that I do. And, and I had a nutritionist on and he was like, the reason every single diet fails for most people is they didn't get the, on the outset systemically, they didn't understand where they were lacking. And so he recommends doing this this blood uh, blood work, and then the blood work will tell you you know whether you're where you're deficient. You need more iron, you need more calcium in your diet, you need more protein in your diet, all these different things. And a good nutritionist could tell you that. So the same thing you just said stands to reason, right? On a mental level, on a therapeutic level, psychological level, like how do, how does one gauge where they stand and where they sit so that they know what they need help with? So that it's not like, I don't just necessarily need to hit hypnotherapy or I don't need EDM lights. I need, there has to be something that has to be tailored to my needs.
0: Right. And that is why my assessment process is very thorough. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to spend an hour to like just going on the ins and outs of like your entire life from birth. I want to connect as many dots as I can in the beginning. And of course, you know, we can't find all that stuff out in a couple of hours, but it's the starting point because we are going to look at you know, all of your ages, all the developmental things you've been through, your friendships, your relationships, your patterns, you know, in life, your, your successes, your quote, failures, your traumas, all the things, because I mean, it's the blueprint, literally your, your brain holds on to every single thing, whether you remember it or not, you know, to what degree. And then we can see what you made of it, we can see what story you associated with that experience. And so I need to know all of the things. And then not only what happened, but how you interpreted them and what you, you know, how they've impacted your life. That's where we watch for the patterns. Um, So it is, it's really, my assessment process is really thorough, I'm going to want to know, are you exercising? How are you sleeping? Are you eating? What are you, well, hopefully you're eating. What are you eating? You know, those kind of things. And and we're looking at mind, body, spirit. We're looking at all angles. A lot of um, mental health in the past or how a lot of people have been trained was to just look at mental health alone. And that does not work. It does not work. We cannot sit here and, you know, talk about your mental health. We'll get something out of it. It's beneficial to some degree, but then if you're staying up all night, you know, and you're eating cheeseburgers every day and no exercise and wondering why you don't feel well and your body is aches and pains, and then you never have energy or motivation, we're just going to keep, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. So we got to look at mind, body, and soul, all of it.
1: Which is analogous to my psychological blood work, which is sort of the point where I was going with that so that that test that you do can you share a little bit of some of those questions some of those kind of q a that you do with a uh, when you're onboarding a new client just to kind of give me a sense of what that looks like and sounds like.
0: Yeah, so I go I use kind of a standard form. just to. To keep me on track, but I'm gonna wanna know um, your history with coaching or therapy. I'm gonna wanna know your um medical, you know, issues. Is there any diagnosis, any surgeries, anything, you know, hospital stays, um, substance use or abuse, you know, past or presence, where are you at with that? Caffeine, how much caffeine do you drink? Because it could be triggering anxiety. Um and then I'm going to go into what brings you in, what are the symptoms, what are the problems, What's, what are you wanting to work on? And then we're going to go into the history of that. And then we're going to go into um, a more thorough outline of like symptoms, like how are you sleeping? Is there anxiety? Is there depression? Is there anger? Is there irritability? On and on and on. Um, and then we're going to go into your upbringing, your family, your family relationships, your friendships, your support systems, dating, you know, how have, how have all those areas worked out for you, your jobs, you know, um, are you happy with them? What are the patterns in your jobs? Um, tr- like I said, traumas, your, your physical health, are you eating well, sleeping well, all of those things. I'm kind of trying to go off memory of like my assessment
1: process yeah, I didn't here but on the spot sorry
0: that's okay it's it's a lot that's what i'm saying it's thorough it's all of those things and then with anybody you know that could delve off into any area depending on what they tell me you know so mm-hmm.
1: um so it, you it, take all of that aggregate data that i provide you in that onboarding and then you interpret it to sort of the type of customized treatment or modalities that you would you would suggest implementing in my life is that what happens next
0: Yes, exactly. On some level, because um, I've also got to consider what you're here for and where you're at. I can say, okay, I see these, these red flags or these concerns right here, but if they're a non-issue to you, or you've already worked through them, or I've got to, I've got to learn more about what they mean to you, because I can tell you what I see and what might be areas that we could work on um, and how we go about doing that, what's the treatment process, But if you're not there and that's not an area that you want to work on or you didn't come to me in the first place for, you know, I've got to meet you where you're at. I can't force you to do anything. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that come in for certain things. And then when we start exploring diet and exercise, you can kind of see that's, you know, that's not what they came in here for. But if they're open and, and, you know, they're open to the process and they give it a, a shot, the, the difference I see when people start, you know, changing their diet and exercise and sleep routines and patterns and things like that is, it's huge. It's, it makes a, a, a very big change. And so if they're open and they'll work on it at all, then fantastic. But if they're not there, that's okay. We have to go the angle from which, you know, they're open to.
1: How often do you find in, in those onboarding forms or um, this is an interview that you're doing, or is this a form? Sorry, I should clarify that. Um, this, this initial conversation.
0: Yeah, this is the first initial assessment,
1: whether it's, you know, online or in person. So just a confession from, uh, from the patient's point of view, and I, I know this to be true by most people I speak to, people rarely tell the full truth and, and nothing but the truth on those forms, right? So when you get them in conversation, how quickly are you able to confirm that, a and, and how open do you find that people are to really sort of pulling back their covers and say, okay, here's a stranger, come inside and take a look at all my, my skeletons? or does that just take time because sorry i'm rambling for a second i speak from experience i i was married before so i was going through some therapy um prior to the time when i was married and honestly one of the worst experiences of my life just to be frank with you it was just sort of constantly clock watching. And I respect that, you know, we're paying for a, an hour of your time or how much ever increments, but it was just sort of like going off the list, no listening, no asking pointed questions. It was just like, mm-hmm. okay. And so I was like, you're not even taking any time to get to know us. And so I just, and I thought, okay, maybe this is just the, the, the first session. Let's kind of give it some time. But it went that way for five, six, seven sessions in. It was like, there was never any, never anything groundbreaking discovered. I'm like we're paying you 300 bucks an hour or whatever it was we're paying you to basically just listen to us you're not asking any pointed questions and i'm over here like i started fucking with her like just telling her like bullshit stuff at this at one point and she was like not even picking up on any of it so sorry i'm trying this is not an airing of the grievances but my experience with therapy has not been um 100 positive so in your space when you sort of encounter a devo are you able to pick up on that? Is, is your radar glued in on that? Or how do you sort of encounter that on a regular basis or not regular?
0: It's it's a, It goes both ways. Sometimes it's obvious from the start. Sometimes it takes time. Um, but, you know, I've had my own experiences and my own therapy similar to yours, where I'm like, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. But here's the thing um, therapy is a big deal. And so if you're going in and you're sharing your whole life and, and you're being open and tra- transparent with somebody that better be that somebody that's a good fit for you. I'm a ass- I'm a big believer that the number one agent in in, in seeing progress in a therapy process is the therapeutic relationship. And if you're with a therapist that isn't a good fit for you, that it's just not going to work because you have to have that trust in the therapeutic relationship. You have to have that trust that they're safe, they care, they're trying to help you. And I always ask my clients, you know, if you've done therapy or coaching before, what's what's the likes and dislikes? Not about the, the therapist or the coach, but the process. Um, and actually the number one feedback I get on that is that the therapist just kind of nodded and didn't give much feedback, didn't say much in return or suggest much. Um, and so that's, that's the number one thing I hear from people. That's not my style at all. It might work for somebody. Somebody might like to just come and put it all out there and have, feel heard. And like somebody's listening and, and not want to be, um, directed or interrupted or anything, you know, that might work for somebody. But um, for a lot of people, it doesn't. And it's not my style. So you really do have to get to shop around for the right therapist. But I know that's not an easy process to um, jump in and say, Oh, this wasn't a good fit and start all over because it's it's heavy. It's a lot to open up and share with. Um, but you know, I have been to my uh, fair share of therapists too, and a lot of not good fits as well it's worth finding the right fit.
1: It sort of feels like the process I'm going through right now. I have a 16 year old daughter and I'm buying her a used car. And I have looked at at least 20 or 30 cars in the last four days. And it's like, first of all, if you're gonna advertise your car, it should be relatively close to what you're trying to sell it for. I'm looking on Facebook marketplace and I go in half the cars don't even come close. It's like it's like when I was dating many years ago, you meet someone like, dude, You're like 30 years older than you say in your profile. Your car is literally not anything close to what it says. So what you just described sort of sounds like trying to find the ideal therapist. What are some of the.
0: (laughs) Right now is not good for either, honestly.
1: So what are some of the, what are some of the things that people should be looking for that they might not be self-aware around when they're trying to find a therapist? And it's the word therapy has a negative connotation in itself. You're, you're a lot of different things. You're not just a therapist, aren't you?
0: Yeah. I like to put in coaching and hypnotherapy and, you know, spiritual side, you know, aspect, a lot of different things. Um, it's hard to be everything, you know, to everyone, but I like to look at the big picture in general, but, you know, that's a really tricky question because, um, you know uh, most people aren't going to know the certain you know a a therapist is going to put their bio up there with maybe their therapeutic their their theory the approach that they like Um, they tend to use most people don't necessarily know what those are so it's worth researching if someone says their emdr or their you know family systems or their you know whatever their therapeutic approach that they tend to cognitive behavioral that they they tend to throw out there check out what it is and see if that sounds like it might make sense to you. Um, you know, let so me, Lucas, let me
1: reverse the question. Then you're yeah. looking for a therapist. What are you looking for in an ideal relationship with this person?
0: I'm going to look. Okay. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to look up for a bio that looks like mine that I put out there. Right. You know, cause I want the therapist to have a holistic approach. Um, I am going to, stay away from me personally this this is just me I'm going to stay away from you know if there might be if it feels like it's rigid and that they only do this approach um, I want it to be flexible and open Um, I'm going to look for like I said that holistic I really like I was trained in family systems theory so I really really like the systems theory approach so I am going to look at you know it's not going to be a yes or no, but I'm going to look at their training and, and what maybe like what school or, you know, are they mental health? Are they social work? I'm a marriage and family therapist just to get an understanding maybe of their background. Um, and then some of it is just, I, the, the things you can't put into words, but if I look at their bio and, and it's just kind of the way it feels like, Mm -hmm. does that resonate with me Do you know, like, could I, you know, like I don't know, could I see myself feeling comfortable around this person? And you can't judge a book by its cover, but you know, just kind of that—do does, does, their words resonate with me? Does that make sense to me or not?
1: So a lot of that, when you get them, get with them in, in the physical space, is sort of some uh, emotional cues that you're picking up on.
0: Oh, definitely. If I'm in the physical space with them, then I'm paying attention to how do I physically feel. Like, does this do I feel comfortable? You know, is my body calm and relaxed, or am I feeling on edge? Am I feeling like I don't want to tell the truth that I, you know? And then is that me? Is that them? There's a lot to explore in that process. But yeah, when you're in the physical space with them, we're actually starting the process. You do want to check in with yourself and make sure that do I feel safe? Do I feel like this can go further in a healthy way?
1: So you're looking for resumes, first and foremost, sort of some of the credentials, and then you're looking at some of the philosophies, their approaches to psychology and therapy and sort of some of the cognition around that and where you line up that philosophically. And then when you're with somebody, it's, it's sort of like meeting somebody as a friend, right? You're sort of looking at some of the cues and, and the nonverbal and verbal emotional pieces that you can connect with. And if people are in tune with that, then you can pick up on some of those cadences, right?
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: I wanna go back to something you said at the outset of the conversation when we were talking about that metaphorical blood work. You mentioned caffeine, you mentioned sleep, you mentioned diet. I had no idea the impact caffeine had on our bodies. And I've gone through a, um, a metamorphosis. I'm actually a coffee snob and a con- connoisseur of coffee. And I've been drinking it um, heavily since I was in college. And and I, I'm, when I say connoisseur, like I seek out coffees, like that's what I do, that was my thing. What? I never realized what caffeine did to our bodies until I met a guy named Stephen Chernisky. He's a caffeine doctor um, and did 20, 30 years of research on caffeine and what it does to our bodies. So I actually had him on the podcast recently. Brilliant show. Um, and he sort of walked us through what happens to our bodies over time, and what ca- caffeine does to it, and the the diabolical corruption around what caffeine represents, and that sort of stuff. I had no idea, and and but you mentioned it. it was one of the forefront things. You said, what is your understanding of caffeine and what it does to our bodies, and how it affects our mental health, and some of the things that you touched on early.
0: Well, I'll have to listen to your podcast because I'll I'll be fascinated because mine is just minimum, you know, one, my personal experience and two, a little bit, you know, through training and things to watch for. But I really ask caffeine again, it's going to, you know, from my understanding affect each of us a little bit differently, but I watch it in the assessment because I want to see if it could be triggering anxiety and magnifying anxiety within us. For me personally, it's, it's about knowing ourselves like, I like my coffee. I really do. But I, I don't keep,
1: listen to my podcast then. <laughs>
0: no, I know. I kind of don't want to
1: for that reason. I'm, I'm four months now off of ca- of all caffeine and coffee.
0: Good. I and
1: cut I cut it cold turkey.
0: I've done it. I, I didn't have any caffeine while I was pregnant, you know, so I've done it. Um, But um, I like my one. I like my one cup of coffee. And I know a lot of that is just ritual and routine and what I've told mm-hmm. my brain it does for me, you know. Um, But I also know I cannot have caffeine after like 1 p.m. or it's it's not good for me. I don't sleep. I don't feel well. Like I get a little anxious. Like, so I can have my one cup. If I hit two, it's a problem for me. And I kind of watch that with other people. Um, but caffeine is a big problem for a lot of, of people that I talk to. And we're getting people come in and drinking their pops all day or their monsters, their energy drinks. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, like, but here I am with my cup of coffee. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, 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 the podcast is interesting. I read, I was trying to look for his book back here. He has a couple of different books out, but um, Oh, here it is. Caffeine blues. Um, Dr. Steven Cherniski is his name. And yeah. it's, it's a quite lengthy book. And most of this book is all research and data on the pernicious qualities of caffeine and so anyway i was just curious and you mentioned anxiety and that was one of the big things that he talks about and is sort of what it causes it actually causes depression and anxiety and all sorts of other pernicious things that um i had no idea and yet we're fed coffee from the basically when we're teenagers on right and then we consume it like nothing else so right you talked a little bit about um your holistic elements and that's one of the things that really drew me to wanted to have you on the show is it's sort of as a buzzword right now but in a sense it's it it is sort of the the spirituality the the essence of who we are as humans it is around a holistic approach around integrating commonalities with how we work with energy and how we work with diet and how we work with you know how we exercise and the amount of sunlight we consume and all of those different things and so while it's a buzzword that people are throwing around quite sloppily lately um, um, it is at the core of everything for me the sort of the the essence of life so what does that mean to you as a psychologist when you're integrating a holistic approach with sometimes rigid psychological modalities that you know when you sort of my experience with psychology is like they don't like outsiders coming in telling them that you should change the way you do things so you're coming in with sort of a a modern approach of implementing more of a holistic perspective on things what resistance have you seen from that and and what exactly does that mean to you in terms of your implementations so that was a lot of questions
0: I was, I'll try, I'll try to sift through so What does
1: holistic mean to you? That's, let's start with that.
0: Okay. Yes. The whole, the whole person, mind, body, spirit, the whole person, all of it, our society, you know, I, at least I'll just say for us in America today, we have been so, um, fragmented. We're separated. You go here for the mind, you go here for the body, you go here for the soul or the spirit or whatever, you know, that that's a big one. But, um, you, you know, we go to these separate places and they're not integrated and then we wonder why we feel so lost or confused or things aren't connecting and lining up and you know I can even go into like say like um, polyvagal nerve and the, the mind and the brain the gut connection. Um, And I can't give you all the science on that, you know, it's out there, but the point is, you know, that, that brain and that gut connection and, and our mind and our body and our, our body and our soul, they're all interconnected. So you can't, you can't address one and ignore the rest and expect to function your, your best, you know, let's say I'm, you know, there's been a point in my life where like, I was probably the most fit, the less amount of of body fat I've ever had. I was strong, you know, I was working out my mental health was not good. I was obsessing over calories. I was, how did I work out? If I didn't work out that day, I guilted, like my mental health was not good, but I I was in shape. I was, you know, I was the size I wanted to be all the things they have to be in balance. They have to be in tune. If I'm, you know, eating really, really bad. And then wondering why I, you know, I'm eating cheeseburgers and pop and all this stuff every single day. Don't get me wrong. I like a good cheeseburger. You know,
1: you're Midwestern when you say pop, by the way,
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. The pot, the soda. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Um, But, you know, if if I'm feeding lots of sugar and all these processed foods into my body and then I can't figure out why I'm so anxious or depressed or lethargic or, you know you, you know, you have to have that connection. You have to look at the big picture and we have to assess each area and kind of like one by one, clean them up, clear them out and, and figure out, you know, and that's why I really like functional medicine and I'm by no means knocking like a typical primary doctor or anything. They save lives, we need our doctors, but we've got to look at the core, you know, where did this problem originate, not just treat the symptoms. And in our society, we're just, we have them all separated and we're treating symptoms for the most part and it's a problem we're just you know we're delaying you know the inevitable and, and waiting to get sick and then treat it instead of trying to heal from the inside out and be able to function our best we've got to look mind body spirit whole person and at the the origin of the issues
1: in some cases they save lives fair yeah Mm-hmm. Modern healthcare is designed to keep us sick. Otherwise they're not in business. Exactly. Um, sorry, I know you can't say that, but I will for you. <laughs> so what I heard you just say holistic is it, 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 in the, at the crux of it, it's balance. Yes, yes. A fair way to surmise Absolutely.
0: that. And we will, you know, you, I've said the same comment that you said earlier when, you know, I put in my dues, when do I just get a coast? You know, I work hard. When do I get a coast? And I think we get a coast here and there for a while and then life throws something at us. But the difference is, so we're never going to be able to hit that point and coast forever. But if I... If I work on as much balance, because you're not going to get that perfection, you know, hit balance and then just stay there. But if I try to keep things in balance and I work on mind, body, spirit, and I figure out my coping skills and my self-care routine, you know, for the most part, and I build these skills and these tools, when life throws things at us, as it always will, even if we're doing everything, quote, perfect, you know, as far as self-care goes when life throw something at us, I can handle it better and I can, I can cope and I can process and I can get back on, you know, and move forward instead of something, you know, life handing me something and it just knocks me to the ground for six months. Let's hope it's, you know, six days or something. It's, it's not that we, we can't, hit this point where life is good and we've got it all figured out, it's how, how can we know ourselves the best so that we can cope well with what life does throw at us? Cause there's more out of our control than what is within our control. So let's control what we can control, focus on that. And that's me and my mind and my body and my thoughts to some degree. Right. And so, um, let's work on that. So then when the uncontrollables come at us, we got tools, we got options, and we can get right back on track sooner than later.
1: That's a really good way to put that. Uh, and as you were talking about that, I was thinking about, and I had only thought about this when you said this. Um, I actually forgot I did this. When I was in college, I took a geology class. Um, it was really cool, but we actually got to go out and do real digs on some prehistoric sites, which I think they staged, by the way. Anyway, it was kind of interesting. As, as we dug deeper, we would unearth, you know, small fragments of something right? And so we're like, oh, this is a cool find. But as we would continue to dig and unearth, we would unearth like whole fragments and the the, the, the the greater depth, sorry, I started to that, the greater depth that we uncovered and the more mass around that object, the more it started taking a shape of something, right? And so when you were saying what you just said, it sort of reminded me of like the outset of what I talked about. It's like every day, I'm doing some sort of a hack to try to become a little bit better or figure something out, or why do I have a trauma? And I'm a case study for you because I've got some serious um, a context for you, which I won't go into too much, but now. Um, but every time I'm digging, whether it's through doing a Reiki or doing, speak, speaking to a therapist or speaking to somebody in shows like this with you, it's like, shit, man, there's one more thing I got to uncover. But when you said that, it made me sort of think of like geology, a geological find as you uncover stuff and the more you unearth, the more you you are, you do continue to find more artifacts, but the more you dig, the more whole, holistic or the more whole it becomes, right? So that's sort of, an. I think I'm saying this right, analogous to me and not us, is the more we dig into our skeletons, the more we dig into our, back, our background and our trauma, we're uncovering little tidbits, but the more we work with it, the more whole it becomes.
0: Exactly. And that is hard. You know, people will come in and sometimes- you know, they'll, they'll work on a problem and they'll, they'll solve that, solve that problem, or that's no longer a problem anymore. And then we're still working. And then this other problem pops up and they're like, come on, like, you know, another problem to work on and address, like, when does this end? And it's exactly what you're saying, but these problems, I guess, you know, it it depends on how you look at a problem because it's also that opportunity to know and understand yourself and on the other side of problems or pain and discomfort, that's where we grow and that's where we evolve. And so, you know, there might be a lot of problems and, and pain and discomfort to go through, but each one I unravel, each layer, you know, the onion, whatever it may be, I know myself a little bit better and I know how to handle the next thing a little bit better. You know, a lot of times if, if we are determined to grow, you know, in, in and, and personally and heal and grow, then a lot of times we can look back at this, you know, maybe I just went through something and man, if I would have went through that 10 years ago, that would have rocked me, but I did it. I did it, you know, because I've learned and I've grown and I know who I am and I can handle these things better. So exactly what you're saying, we do not grow without discomfort and pain. They it's go, that's
1: kind of the meaning of life, isn't it?
0: Exactly.
1: Exactly. I, On your website, you talk a lot about sort of the subconscious gains that we procure through our our context of our life. At the core of what you do, are you sort of getting into those, those, I don't know how would you call that. How how do you get into someone's subconscious and and cure is cure, they're not probably they're not the right word. How do you help them cope with the trauma? and whatever it is that they've endured. So I'm just going to throw something out. I have a lot of psychology around child abuse. My, my father was really abusive and to me and my siblings. And I'm noticing now in my life at this point in time that it sort of rears itself in a lot of ways and how I handle stress and how I handle trauma and how I handle anxiety and those sorts of things. How, how do you as a therapist, a psychologist, get to the core of that to, to help me cope with that better? Well,
0: there's not one way, but let me first, Say thanks for the vulnerability. You know, that's a great example to, to people in general. We're not often very, you know, vulnerable,
1: which is a good thing. Um, but it's something I'm learning. I, I never was before. It's in the last few years. I'm like, why am I holding this stuff back? I, if I have something to say, I need to share it. And if there's someone who can help me with it, then let me get help
0: you and me both I say it like it's easy I
1: struggle with being vulnerable most of us do it's it's like you said a learning process it's practice it's an oxymoron because we have social media and I'll let you answer the question but it's an oxymoron to me because we have social media at our fingertips now right where everybody's being vulnerable and everybody's being transparent but most of that is not real it's like we're just putting up the billboard that we want people to see on the side of the road as they drive by right
0: Mm-hmm. and there's a fine line there's vulnerability and there's the the victim mentality you know we we've got to know our intentions of why are we being vulnerable and what are we going for here so That's yeah a really
1: good point i've never heard someone say that
0: yeah there's a lot there's a lot there but in general if we're genuine vulnerability is is a good helpful thing um and and just putting this out there you you will get hurt if you're vulnerable there will be people that will that will throw these things back in your face and they will use it but ultimately you can also get a lot of good out of being vulnerable um so so abuse you know there's 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 a handful of things with that there isn't one way to address that i'm working with the person. I'm not working with the symptom or, or the issue I'm working with the person. So it's never going to look the same, um, for how to work on it. But there's, there's a few things that I really like to look in. I'm, I really center around EMDR therapy and figuring out the negative belief systems, um, that people have. How
1: do you do that virtually? You
0: can do EMDR therapy virtually. Absolutely. So there's, Yeah, I, you know when the pandemic hit, and I do so much EMDR, I'm like, "Wow, how's this gonna work?" And I thought there's no way that I could get the same um, results in progress virtually, but I gave it a shot, and to my surprise, it has worked pretty well. Who knew?
1: Um,
0: yeah, I know. It was. I was. I was kind of blown away. Um, I still definitely prefer in-person for, you know, feeling somebody's energy and in that kind of thing in a space, but yeah, I got a lot of good results and progress virtually as well. So that's really, really cool. Um, But I do wanna know, you know, from a young age, well, our entire lives, we start um, building belief systems. And so, especially each developmental stage that we go through, but especially, you know, the brain isn't fully developed, say, somewhere around 25. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's around where it is. Um, And so, we got to look at what developmental stage our brain is in when these things are happening. But as we're young children in particular... Um, We're internalizing a lot of things like everything centers around me and us. We don't have that bigger picture of you, you know, like, oh, this is, this is dad's problem. This is his issue. He's got things going on. He's projecting, he's, you know, doing all these things, right? At at a young age, we can't, we don't know that. We don't understand that. Um, And so it's an, it's an us issue. I'm wrong. I'm bad. This is my fault. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. We're starting to tell ourselves all of these stories, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. And those snowball throughout of our our lives so you know this might have started at a young age with dad and then and then it goes into teachers and then it goes into our dating relationships and then you know so then I'm in a, a marriage or a dating relationship and I'm getting triggered by you know something my spouse or partner says and all of a sudden it's not just what they said I'm feeling all the feels these physiologically and emotionally both so there's there's something important to that that I felt when I was seven years old when mom or dad did whatever right so now this person is not just this person this person is all the people throughout my whole life and this incident isn't one incident it's all it's all of the pain it's all of the stuff so that is why it's important to dig in and heal so that in our present day we're not triggered as much as much let's say 10 out of a 10 as opposed to like a one out of a 10 and as often you know um by what's going on
1: what you just described sorry to interrupt it's like it's like reverse burying that artifact that I was trying to uncover all my life now yeah and well we want to we want to no no what I'm saying like all that stuff that I've taken on subconsciously as a child yeah like you're building the mound of covering all those things up because you don't deal with them the anxiety no. the 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 abuse the trauma all that p t s d around it
0: well, and sometimes we think we deal with it, but we haven't maybe we've avoided it or given it space or like shoved it down, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't bother me anymore. I'm over it. That was fifteen years ago, like no big deal. But if we suppress it, it just simmers there and it pops out and it comes out in weird ways. Anxiety, depression, can't get out of bed, aches and pains that you can't explain, you know, all the things. It seeps out. We hit a saturation point at some point in our life. We can't suppress and bury down all the things any longer. They will come out. That's where I see a lot of people um, coming to me in their late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s. And saying, I've never had this problem with anxiety and I don't know where this came from. Like, it was like it was overnight out of the blue. I promise you it wasn't. It's like, you know, 20, 30 years in the making. So we want to find out the negative belief systems that you've been developing your entire life. And when we find out that belief system, we can work on clearing that out reprocessing with new healthier associations to these memories and experiences that got suppressed they weren't you know processed you know in a healthy way because you literally could not either you were in survival mode or your brain was just not developmentally at an age for you to process it in a healthy way so we're going to reprocess it in a healthy adult way the other piece to that is is the um you, you know again don't quote me on this but there's there's a percentage of what they kind of say like Top down or bottom up, as far as the mind and body connection, Um, you know, so the brain will look for like an exact match. So you could be like ready to, you could be ready and alert if someone's going to come be physically abusive and hurt you, you're looking for that exact match of like, okay, fight or flight, here's what I do but the body just looks for something similar. Like, Oh, someone moved, you know, quick. And then you're going to be, you know, on guard, right? Like just something even similar. And then that can shoot the body into fight or flight when you're totally actually safe. It's just somebody dropped a plate, you know?
1: So some of that is, and then because of that response, that knee jerk response, that autotomic response, the other cascades of, of associations that come with it also rear themselves.
0: Mhm brain and body talk right so that connection is huge that's why we cannot ignore we cannot work on one i we could do a lot of work in the mind and reprocessing the negative belief system and and the stories that you have there and how you feel about yourself from the inside out. We can see significant changes and, and lots of progress, but we also need to teach the body. And this is, this is where things are always changing and we're learning and growing. Like I didn't include this in my book into depth as I'm still learning. And I wish I would have, but, um, you know, somatic experiencing and in, in teaching and training the body that it is safe and I can trust it and. I don't have to, you know, go off into fight or flight at the drop of the dime with every little thing, you know, if, if we don't, if we don't feel like our body is, we can trust it and it's safe. And it's, I don't know if regulated is necessarily the the right word, but, um, you know, a well-oiled functioning machine, we got to get our body back to its best place in, in that sense, um, somatic experiencing things like yoga people swear by cold plunges singing humming dancing you know all the things that get us back in our body because we jump out of our body so often you know when people will say like um well you know you don't know what you're thinking or feeling well just sit with it for a while sit with Mm -hmm. it i want people you know most people think okay i'll spin my wheels and i'll process that and where do they get absolutely nowhere more confused more stressed out worried anxious when, when we hear sit with it, I want people to understand and, and think, sit with the physical feeling in your body. If I'm having a hard time with something, it does me no good to spin the wheels in my head and overanalyze it because that's maybe not even truth that I'm working with. It's my thoughts and my feelings. It doesn't mean it's truth or reality or fact, you know? So, but what I, what I want to trust is in that intuition. It's in my body. What am I physically feeling? You know, is there, am I feeling anxiety? What, where is it? Is it in my stomach? Is it in my chest? It's hard to breathe. I'm getting tight. I'm getting tense. I want to sit in that feeling and realize that that feeling will not kill me, you know, it's just uncomfortable, we don't like it, so most of us don't like that physical feeling before we even understand what's going on, and then we jump out of it real quick, we, drugs or alcohol, we shop, sex, we... I clean, like if I'm stressed or anxious, my house is spotless, start cleaning, you know, Um, exercise, like we get busy, we get moving so we can ignore and avoid that physical feeling we don't like. When if we would more sit in the physical feeling and get in tune with our body, come back in our body, we can start to feel safe in our body and our skin again and trust that. And then we have an even better platform to start working on the thought processes and and the belief systems.
1: I know you have to go soon but what happens when you don't do what that you just described what happens when you keep falling back on those age-old patterns of cleaning whenever you feel anxiety or eating whenever you're feeling anxiety or shopping or sex or whatever it is that people do to sort of repress that feeling what happens over time when you continually do that and not actually address it on a holistic psychological therapeutic perspective
0: Well, you keep doing what you always do. You're going to keep getting what you always get. And a lot of times that shows up in health issues. They'll, they'll just get worse and worse and worse. And uh, most often it's in um, relationships. Um, We're going to keep getting the same patterns and, and failed relationships you know we're gonna to to keep repeating and projecting and and internalizing things that you know just get in the way of how we relate and connect with people um but it can show up in all kinds of ways but you're either gonna get the same of a problem or it's just gonna you know build and get worse whatever symptom or problem you might be having from these things
1: okay i didn't get through half of the stuff i wanted to ask you but i know that- I know you have to go. So we're going to have to have you back on.
0: Yeah, I'd love to.
1: So, Carrie, you um, are located in Iowa. If people I want know. to find you physically, you're in what city?
0: Des Moines, Iowa, West Des Moines.
1: In West Des Moines, Iowa. You can find Carrie at carrieleaf, L E A F dot com. Are you on Instagram? I tried to click on your Instagram and it said the page could not be displayed.
0: Oh, uh, we're in transition working, okay. on, you know, what I'm doing individually versus the, the, um, clinic I'm trying to build here. So. got
1: it. Oh, congratulations. I need to hear more about that. Whoa. So Carrie, you're in, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. You focus on mindset and life coaching. You do a little bit of hypnotherapy, self-love coping skills, self-care family relationships. Um, did I hear you say marriage and relationships as well?
0: Yeah. My master's in, is in marriage and family therapy.
1: Okay. So anyhow, you've got a bevy of, of tools at your disposal that you help people live a better life and sort of uncover some of their, their own skeletons so that they can deal with those head-on systematically instead of just continuing to impress them with bad behaviors and bad habits. So um, I have really enjoyed the conversation. I, I would like to ha- have you back on. There's a lot of things that I didn't even get to ask you about that I'm genuinely curious. So I appreciate your time.
0: I love it. It's been good. Thank, thank you.
1: Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Me you too. Bye. Bye.